Hey everybody, in today's episode, I'm joined by Ann Kohler, a dear old friend of mine from my New York days. Back around 2012, uh, 2014, we partnered up to work on a project called Tappin, which was, well, it's kind of hard to put it in words what exactly it was, uh, but maybe that's kind of the point. Uh, Anyway, we recently caught up on a brief phone call, which you're about to listen to. We only just kicked things off before we each had to jet, so consider this the teaser for our upcoming full-length episode, which I reckon may be published sometime in August. Um, without any further ado, here's me and Ann Kohler. Curious, like what has been the latest with you? I, I know, I know. In general, you're kind of all over the place geographically. In general, in the past year, couple years, five years. Uh, What's been your trajectory? Where where have you been? What's up with all that? Sounds good. A box opened and my tap-in cards fell out. And I saw them this morning and just kind of smiled thinking about how, you know, the, the logo that we designed together, that we thought about, that we, um, you know, that you brought to life. And it's one of my favorite logos. And uh, it was such a special time, a time where I was healing from a, you know, dad's death and get it coming back into the world and understanding and exploring my place and my message and really wanting to see how other people felt and really felt, you know, and that was what Tappan was. And I thank you for partnering and, and being a part of that artistry and that hopefully touched all of us, you know, beyond what we thought it could do. Um, our, our last, you know, when we brought the nine main emotions to life at Dev Boot Camp down in Wall Street, I was just exhausted. I mean, it was a massive event and uh, we pulled it together somehow. It was incredible. Each room had those different emotions and I, I just burned myself out. Um, and I was thinking about what's next would happen. I was looking at um, developing a curriculum that could be used for schools and curriculums. I was going to do video tutorials, all these things. And then I just, um, I just kind of took a break and was working. And then I just got this inner call to move to California. And that came in the form of three words. A lot of my messages come in three words, like the ashes project became tap T A P tap in. And then tap in became follow the water where I, I went around the world really exploring how people use water to heal, how water is um, basically nature's copy paper within our bodies, within our world. So it reverberates sound and the sounds can be in the form of music, can be in the form of what you say to yourself or about yourself, what you say about others and how that takes seed in your sacred waters within, which makes up your body. Um, and I, I met with water birth midwives in Portugal and I did a lot of floating to help with my own fear of drowning and understand why was I a swimmer afraid of drowning. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious. I didn't know you were afraid of drowning because all I know is you were hardcore into swimming. So yeah. I would think you would have now no I no fear. Of, that. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was. I that's probably what I should have said when we did the out fear campaign. I said like losing a parent, but that had already happened. Um, but my real fear is drowning. Um, yeah, and I did scuba. I did uh, you know aqua cycling, water meditation, free diving. So you like create you figure out a way to equalize your ears and go down deep. Um, water dance. So I was, and then Watsu, I was trained in like a, a water massage that you do to people, um, you know, like for physical therapy, but there's a more, there's a spiritual component because when you're held in water, which we're never really held with like zero gravity, it just doesn't happen. Even when we're sleeping, our body's still kind of holding us up. But when you're in someone's arms in the water, it's, it's, it's an emotional experience. It's a spiritual experience. I've had people go back into the, like their mother's womb, um, and work through things through that. Um, people are transported to, um, you know, this blissful experience. Some people get really emotional. Some people get really creative. So I was really, um, exploring that and exploring myself in, in, in California. I I worked with a a lot of different medicines and, um, meditations and it was a it was a time of just kind of identity reconstruction or just maybe identity understanding and i think i just reflected so much on tap in and how i worked with people and how I, you know i worked with artists and i i wanted to pay them and it was just so hard to raise money and how i didn't you know value how i didn't think about i wanted everyone to have access to their emotions like period. I just wanted it to be free for everyone that everyone has the right to understand how they feel. Period. And that's kind of how free to feel came about. Also three words for me was me just me just walking the talk and and just channeling my my feelings and I started to get literally words in my head, Jay, like I could see phrases and this is when I was asleep. This is when I was in the middle of discussions. I was at the water. Um, I don't know if you saw the, we are water video, but that was channeled from water's words and, and it just kept happening. So I would, I would see a phrase like, um, an example is all you are is all the world needs. And I would just sit with that phrase and say, how does that feel to me? All you are is all the world needs. It would just come through. And, and then I would think about or feel through what I felt about that phrase and how that sat with me and, and how it resonated with me. And then I would continue writing until I stopped and they would come out as these, you know, beautiful prose or poetry. And I just started doing that whenever I felt, um, different emotions. It was like my practice and then at the end of the year, I just started to put them together for me. And what the, the words came through again and were like, this is a book, you know? And so Free to Feel came out and I did the cover myself. I, I work with so many artists. I do so many, you know, design thinking and logos with artists. And this one, I really wanted to design myself with my own hands, with my own paint, with my own graphics. And, um, I don't even, I don't even think I've seen that. The free to feel logo. I want to, I'm curious to see that. 
Yeah, it's a. Uh... It's from a painting. Um, I even have, if you go to uh, freetofieldbook.com, there's a short video about how the logo came about. And I flipped through the different paintings and, and how I landed on that and why. And then it's relevancy to the chapters of the book because the chapters are broken up by fire, water, earth, air. And then the back of the book has the story behind the words. So it's a unique... <clears throat> non-traditional poetry book where it's it's raw unedited writings I really worked to not edit what I what came through but more edit around um, word placement so I actually spoke these and a friend of mine helped me uh, space and indent and write how they might be spoken so these are meant to be spoken out loud they're spoken it's spoken word and then the story behind the words in the back gives the date of when it was written, the title of the, the piece, the poem, and then what was happening in my life. So if I was going through a breakup, if I was traveling, I was traveling a lot during that year, lots of different countries and cities. I was doing um, community artwork with the League of Creative Interventionists, uh, which actually Kenny found me. Uh, when I moved to California, he was like, you're looking for a job. They look great. And I started as like a project manager and, and helped with their programs and um, they're uh, in neighborhoods around the country. So so Frida Feels started to evolve and really went from a book to, I did an album audiobook. So there's poems in there and then there's four songs that I partnered with uh, Prabin Singh and Madhu Anciani and Susanna Starr. And we created words, uh, music that went with each of the elements. And then it became an experience. And so I took it on tour. I went to New York. Um, and created this experience, um, kind of like there was tap in essence to it, but it was visual, it was poetry, music, movement, and then art. And then you would go through that same uh, template and then, uh, with each element, and then you would come back to the center. So different people were reading the poems. I didn't read all of them, and they were placed around the room, and, um, and then you were asked to move and draw and experience that emotion that you have within that element. Um, and then they created this beautiful collective art. And then I, I just started doing that all around the country. And then some of them were more intimate experiences, kind of like our tap-in like workshops that we would do, where we just um, intuitively read from the book. So people will say how they feel and I would play with like one person would read somebody else a poem. You know, if someone's talking about a struggle they're having, maybe they read my poem about um, growing up white in a black neighborhood. You know, they uh, I had a gentleman read a poem about Trump, about how to it's called loving our collective shadow. How do you love someone that you could fundamentally disagree with? You know, are they do they are they undeserving of love? You know, how do you radically love um, unconditionally? So no matter what somebody does, the love is not revoked from them. Um, there's a poem about loving yourself. There's a poem about rage, you know, and, and just really opening up to, um, to that experience. So that's kind of where I, where I am now is really this free to feel is just of a practice for me and a, a workshop. I've, I've done an online course. 
I, I do, you know, classes with kids and with adults about how do you create from your emotions? So how do you set yourself up for a daily practice that when you feel, so it's not like, okay, I'm going to write every day at 9 a.m. I, I developed this like emotion tracker and how, and how for a week can you track how you're feeling, what you're doing, where you are and what time of the day is and see if you can see any trends and then develop your art practice around those experiences. So you're not, it's a little different than the artist way or, you know, the different journaling things of like write every day. I think it puts an expectation that not everyone can meet. And then you're like, oh, I didn't do my writing today. Like I suck. But instead it is around the emotions you feel. So maybe you're highly emotional on Sundays just because, you know, you remember going to church and your relationship with religion and, and or something like that. And so you have a lot of emotions on Sunday. You know, I do water fast on Sunday, so I'm highly emotional on Sunday and try to turn digit, you know, all my gadgets off. You know, maybe you have more emotions when you're in the shower or in the morning or the evening, but really designing your art. What is your art modality? You know, what is, and playing with it. Can you try, you know, if you're a visualist or graphic or, you know, video like you, um, I mean, you, you're, you're just so multifaceted. What if you tried just writing, just free writing? You know, if you're a writer, what would it be like to like put your hands in paint or oil pastels and smudge it on a page? Um, you know, if you're a dancer, like what would it be like to, to dance with a oil pastel and then let the final physical, what I call art effect come through your arms and out through your fingers onto a page. So you have something physical from your movement. Um, and really bringing that into everything I do. I work for a hotel now, you know, like with their experience design. I work for the Midtown Neighborhood Alliance and help my community um, come together and do incredible projects. I started Parking Lot Theater, which is a pop-up theater experience that combines live performance and movie to uplift local vendors, artists, bring people together safely and peacefully um, in their cars during this this time of you know opening society back up. So I guess that's that's a long answer to your very short question. <laughs> but I, well, it is um, a lot. It is a lot for us to catch up on. Okay, so I, what I've kind of gathered from that is kind of where we left off with Tappan. I guess it was uh, probably around 2013. Right. When twenty uh, fourteen, did you? I'm trying to get the timeline right in my head. No, we were doing we were doing tapping yeah. stuff that summer of World Cup in twenty fourteen. I remember. So yeah, tapping was like twenty. When did we do the Dev Boot Camp? That was um, maybe it was the fall of twenty fourteen, something like that. I left New York in twenty sixteen. Wow! May, May really. Because I left New York in 2016. We both left in 2016? For some reason, I thought you left before I did. No, very shortly after yours, because you left your apartment, and then you moved, and I was very close behind you. Okay, you, you were so heartbroken that I left. You're like, there's no point to being in New York anymore. Exactly, I gotta, exactly. <laughs> I gotta get the hell out of here. Um... Yeah, I, I think with you especially, I think you're the kind of person where I can see the evolution of things, you know, like you have one project, you have one idea, and 
how it can kind of blend into the next project, the next direction, you know? So each, each, mm. each phase, each project is kind of its own thing, but you can kind of see how it's inextricably linked with the pro the previous thing, you know, and the thing before that. And, you know, I can see there's a continuity. I think when I see your stuff in the last few years, like, you know, just popping in and out here and there, I'm not super active all the time on social media, but when I do see the stuff you post, sometimes it's more spiritual, sometimes it's more in the like psychological, emotional space. Sometimes it's, you know, more art kind of oriented. Sometimes it's more social activism oriented. Um, and it's literally like, you know, I might not see something, whatever the algorithm decides to show me of yours. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I'll see one thing and then I'll see another thing from you a month later and it's, it's an art thing. And then a month later, it's like, oh, it's a, it's a drive-in movie thing. And then another time it's, so it's cool. Cause I, you know, I think you and I were both two very multifaceted people and, um, you know, we are pulled, I don't know, I was about to say torn, but I'm like, we're pulled in a lot of different directions. And I don't know how you feel about it. For me, it's, um, it's a little bit of a struggle because, it's all me, but each direction is its own thing. You know, like physically, speaking of directions, you can't go north, east, south, west at the same time. So even though, you know, it's like north is part of your life, south is part of your life, east is part of your life, west is part of your life, but you always have to choose one direction at a time. For me, that has been a struggle to choose one thing and stick with it. So I, that's why I don't want to use the word torn, but I, I, I was referring to use the word pulled in multiple directions. I mean, do you feel that way with not just your specific projects? Because it sounds like you've kind of resolved into free to feel, and that's kind of your, a lot of your focus right now. But do you ever feel that kind of, like, you know what I mean? Like that struggle of you're pursuing one thing wholeheartedly but it's kind of taking you away from some other things you're also passionate about that's such a great question and it, it's like it's very meaningful coming from you because I mean you I remember you setting up um who's this I always forget his name the Star Wars guy um Patini the Palpatini 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 you had um <laughs> You know, you had the like FIFA, like the yeah, thing yeah. I got had. I got Skiller moves. I got Pop Katsu for pop culture stuff. I got confused exactly. confusionity. You had like I remember you set up. I think I was with you. You set up like six Twitter accounts at one time, <laughs> and you had these beautiful like graphics, and you were teaching yourself like this whole new program and this whole new website thing with video. And I was just like, how is like how is somebody so multi? I made a blog post, I call it multi-artisanal. And <laughs> I would call you like an extreme multi-artisanal being just because, and you have so much heart and you have so much soul. I just, I love you so much. I really do. No matter how much time passes, <laughs> I love you so much. I just want you to know that. Um, and, it, and it's just like, you know, I, I see that, you know, that evolution you're talking in me and you as well. And there's threads because it's coming from you. And I think the, the issue for artists that we have in this world is that we are asked 
to explain who we are. We are asked to put it in a little box so someone can market us or sell us <laughs> or yeah. understand us. And that just won't do anymore. And yeah. we're seeing it more and more in society now is of people who who are multi-artisanal. I mean, we are in, we were raised in a, in a culture and, and millennials as well, because I know we're, we're Xers, but they, you know, there's long gone is the, you know, I, I, I lived in Japan two years, you know, I have a lot of experience with the Japanese culture, which is really about expertise. You know, they can spend 50 years doing Ikebana and I'm in a class with them and I'm like, this is incredible. And they're like, yours is so much better than mine. I am such a student still. And there's this, this craving to understand something deeply and do one thing for their whole life. And as Americans, even the way our colleges are set up, we're, we're meant to generalize. We're meant to be a jack of all trades mm -hmm. and a master of none. And so I think this, um, the more you can align with yourself, the more you can really understand your mission and what you're here for and just be in who you are, the doing and the art will come from it. And so I'm at the point where I mean, I just try to adapt. Whoever I'm talking to, I just kind of read the room and just yeah. be like, yeah, I'm a spoken word artist. Or, oh, yeah, right. I'm a project manager. Oh, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm a, a, I'm a writer. I, you know, oh, yeah, I do this. But that, it, you know, I could just say artist. You know, I could just say I, I'm Ann Kohler. You know, I'm Annie. I'm Ann. I'm, you know, there's yeah. so much. We contain multitudes, as Walt Whitman would say. You know, do I contradict myself? Yes. I contradict <laughs> yeah. myself. I contain multitudes. And I think we just have to remember that you contain multitudes. Each one of us does. And each one of us has a unique imprint. And that was, you know, shown a little bit in the like secret sauce. Uh, I don't know if you remember that. It's still on yeah, happening. What's your secret sauce? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. What is your secret sauce? Because and that was like my whole point, the underlying thing of Tappan and why I had, you know, you helping with graphics and Becky doing this and, and Kurt doing this and Mark doing this and, 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 and really bringing to light the secret sauce and the talent that only you have. So someone could make a Palpatine account and it could be the same focus, but it will not have Jay Caslow's imprint. And so you have something unique to give to the world. And the only way I saw that I could help that within people and activate and stand for people's fully activation was if I could get them, Jay, if I could get them to come back to how they are feeling. Because emotions are driven from our thoughts. Our thoughts come from our belief systems that we have. And then our emotions drive our desires, which drive our actions, right? So it's just this circle, it's this, it's this assembly line. So emotions are like the, the, the kidneys, you know, they, they put out the nutrients and they hold the toxicity. And if you, if you can't get to that point where you understand and where are you feeling it and how are you feeling it and know the different triggers, know that when you're angry, when, when I'm angry, I pace, I walk back and forth, I clench my fist, I clench my teeth and the top of my diaphragm gets very hot. 
You know, when I'm sad, I get very cold. I like to be in a ball. I don't like to move. Any movement will take me out of my sadness. You know, so, and I think for us to be fully activated, we have to be able to create from emotions, which is the subtitle of free to feel. And that is what the true artistry is. Because if you think about your favorite artists, whether they're dancers or actresses or singers, they bring you to tears. They rally anger in you. They make you laugh. You know, your favorite comedian, uh, they are able, artists, true artists are able to go there, um, to be vulnerable and courageous enough to go there. And then to actually capture it physically. That's what an artist is. Well, and, a couple of things yeah. I want to ask you about. I noticed with what you're saying there and uh, what you were saying earlier, a lot of the focus is about creating art from emotion. It's weird because like, I'm going to ask you a question, which it's, I almost feel like I, wouldn't, I know how you'll answer it. But do you think most everybody is an artist? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, I thought you would say that. So the thing that I see in the world today, and you, I think you were just listening to the emotions episode, right? The podcast episode where I was talking about how important a factor emotion plays in our society right now. I mean, it's not just a poetic artsy installation concept of like with tap in and emotions and all that. I mean, that's all, Nice, but emotions are actually so crucial and fundamental to the underpinnings of our very society. You know, like if 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 we don't do emotions right, so to speak, there'll be chaos. There'll be you know destruction. There'll be murder. There'll be anarchy. There'll be you know, lawlessness. There'll be you know all of these things. So. You know, I've heard you kind of talking about it in an artistic context, and I totally agree with all that for creators to be in touch with their emotions and to channel those emotions. But I think with everything going on in our society recently, I'm thinking more about the practicality of it all, you know, in terms of people are feeling deeply. There's no doubt about that, everyone. And for me, I've been looking at society like people are wearing their emotions on their sleeves and immediately not, quote unquote, not really creating art or anything like that, but really just, I'm talking fist flying. I'm talking, you know, lashing out. I'm talking, you know, ac accusations, um, you know, vengeance over justice, like these kind of things. So you see what I'm talking about? Like, but what is your take on emotions we we're both agreed that emotions are so fundamental to the human experience and it's fundamentally how we operate. Um, but in a non-artistic context, what are your I, thoughts about emotions, you know, today, like everything going on in the world? Yeah. I, when I, I heard that, you know, when you were talking about like, as soon as someone feels something, they're sharing it. And I, in one of my poems is called blank screen and it's about, how we grew up the the analog versus the digital and there's a line in there that says our memories captured and shared even before they finish blank screen now only in my head memories crowded out by bite-sized bits of information and 140 character wisdom read in blips and blurbs no need to remember anything 
but the four digit code to turn you on. It also talks <laughs> about like what, what will happen to memories, you know? So I, I say that because I think when you are emotionally processing, what we don't realize is you don't always have to share it in real time, but we've designed our culture to, you know, for reality TV and to share things before they're even fully processed. So I think um, to be able to feel something and have an outlet to fully process what that feeling is, and then you decide whether you share it or not, you know? I think that that's not happening. I think that there isn't a pause and there isn't, I mean, I have like some very, you know, my, I have a, a poem about being fired by someone that I really loved and I just couldn't bring myself to share it like publicly on social media, but I shared it in the Frida feels that happened around the country. You know, I, and I had to think about that balance of being vulnerable and sharing and, and being courageous and also keeping something for me, you know, keeping something for me um, that allows me to heal. It should always be in the lens of how does this help me heal? And I think, and also collectively. So there's, you know, those three questions, like, does it need to be said? Does it need to be said right now? And does it need to be said by me? I think that not everyone asks those three questions before they share online and in the world. And those words are there forever. Yeah. So, you know, there is this, I mean, I feel it too. I feel this pressure to say something, you know, to, if I don't say something, then I'm complicit or I'm, right. you know, I'm, 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 I'm propagating the violence. Um, but there is so much work that has to happen if there's systematic racism within every point of society, there's a deep, what I say about, you know, to white people is there's a deep radical awareness that we, you, us are missing as white people is you have to be radically aware when you're in the grocery store, when you're like things that you take for granted, like parking spots or like you just you feel like you are going to get this and you deserve this, right? You deserve to be first in line, even though someone's been waiting, but you don't see them. They're invisible to you. So, it, but it's just so, it's very painful because people just say like, well, you know, I recycle. I don't say the N word. I do this. I do that. So I'm a good person. That equals a good person. And that equals non-racist. But the reality is, is we're all racist. We all are. It's a drama. <clears throat> It's a barometer. And so when you, when you acknowledge the racism that lives within you, I mean, I grew up in an all black neighborhood, but I, there's racism in me. There's discrimination in me. There's privilege that I have lived upon, you know, and with, and I don't have all the answers. And so what can I do is be radically aware, be radically aware of what happens and radically listen and, you know, just my cousin, he's mixed race. He was over last night and his, you know, his wife is asking me like about different um, diversity and inclusion and doing it in her company. And I was like, I, I don't think I'm the person for this. Um, and we were just talking and I turned to my cousin and I said, you know, I grew up with this, with this amazing human. I've known him since 
you know, our parents were friends forever. He's, he's the godson of my parents. So we just were cousins, you know? And I asked him like, when have you felt the word I used was John Powell. He's an amazing activist, speaker, healer. And I, he came to a, the Institute of Noetic Sciences, that's an, another company I worked with, and they have been studying paranormal activity and intention and intuition for 40 years. They're like incredible scientists that, you know, have done fringe things and have been criticized for it by the scientific, scientific world. And now, you know, everyone knows that meditation is literally good for the brain. Um, so in his talk, he talked about if you ask, you know, you ask a white person, like, when have you been discriminated against? It's, you're never going to get the answer. You're never going to get an answer that is able to, um, not compare, but to be able to have a discussion. If, if you ask that same question to a black person and the question that he asked instead is he broke them up into groups and said, when have you been othered? When have you felt like you don't belong and you are less than who you are? When yeah. have you been othered? And I think that that's such a powerful question to ask ourselves. When have you been othered? Because when you ask yourself that and a, a white person that versus a, a black person, you're going to get a little bit closer to a a resonant answer than if you ask a white person, when have you been discriminated against based on your skin color? Because at least that's what I, I, I think will get us closer. And to ponder that question and to yes, go through the pains and yes, to think back about the times, you know, that, um, that you have perpetuated racism or that you have experienced that other feeling that feels just so like the, the floor drops from beneath you and you just, you feel less than dirt and human and, you know, and imagine feeling that all the time and what it, what it takes emotionally to just keep going, you know, and the, and I talk to, you know, when I talk to black men, especially, I'm like, aren't you exhausted? Cause it's like, there's like, you have to think about, you know, my cousin was like, he grew up in a, he went to a private school. Like I went to a public school and he was like predominantly white and he remembers them, you know, all sorts of stuff, not wanting to date their daughters. Like he had to balance talking, you know, white enough for the white people, but he wasn't black enough for the black people and, and how to talk in this situation and like how to be careful if he's driving and just like, are you, ex it's just like, I can't imagine the exhaustion. Yeah, I reckon interracial folks have their own specific struggle. Um, totally. Because I've, I've heard similar things from my interracial friends as well. Like just they don't belong here or they're neither here nor there, you know. Right. And, and we don't accept people of multiple that are multifaceted, which is such like it. It's, it's so counterintuitive because like the quote I just said, we're multi, we're, you know, we contain multitudes. That's just how humans are. So we're layered. Yeah. And for us to have these constructs of white, black, man, woman, you know, even our names, we're, we're setting ourselves up for, you know, an emotional dropout and emotional schizophrenia where you 
think you don't know who you are because you're supposed to be this one thing. You're supposed to be an yeah. artist or an architect or, you know, a father, a mother, a brother, a sister. And we're just not made for that. That's not our purpose here. It goes deeper into a spiritual soul level and it's, you know, and whether, whatever you believe, but you know, the, I believe the soul is infinite and that all these different iterations of lifetimes that we have are for the growth of the soul. So maybe, you know, one lifetime we were a murderer or one time we were a rapist or one time we were a king, a queen, or maybe we were a, an amazing leader and a great person. But we go through those different like snakeskins so we can. <laughs> that's interesting. So you, you're talking about you believe in reincarnation. I take it, right? I guess that's the word for it. If you want to put a word to it. Um I would, yeah, I, I think about it like soul, like a contract. You know, a contract's like for a job. So you get your soul contract. You come <laughs> into the world. Um, I mean, yeah, this could take us on a whole other route. <laughs> well, Tom and I, you know, Tom, who you introduced me to uh, back in the day. Remember Tom Pulliam? Yes. Yeah, um, I had him on the podcast a couple weeks ago, and. Cool. Um, we ended up talking about reincarnation and his, his spiritual beliefs toward the end. I ended up um, saving that part of the episode. I'm going to post it on Confusianity podcast later on. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, that's a whole can of worms to get into. Oh man, there's so many things you said there that I want to get into, but we're kind of out of time now. So yeah. let's, uh, I guess we'll... <laughs> Let's call it at that. Um, and I guess we'll consider this kind of a teaser to um, the full episode that is going to be better audio quality that we'll do in a we'll do in a few weeks once I get my equipment and stuff. Oh, I hope this one works. I think this was good and raw and yeah. We didn't even get to hear about. Um, we need a part two because I oh, want to hear about uh, your journey you know, from out of New York and yeah. where you are now. And I know I, you've had some health things. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that, that will have to be part two. Definitely. Definitely. All right. Well, I'm glad we were able to reconnect here for this quick little uh, bit. And um, everybody stay tuned. Uh, I will post this soon and um we will definitely record a follow-up um and go really more in depth into the the subjects we just brought up today because <laughs> i hope this has been enlightening for you the introversion podcast is on its way but we've obviously got a long way to go to get to where we want to be getting to I will certainly be doing my part in cranking out new episodes every week but here's where you come in if you haven't yet done so, hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you're currently listening on. That way you can obviously get notified as soon as new episodes arrive. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please, 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 please give a five-star rating. It just takes a second and it will empower the Introversion Podcast to rise up and conquer the suppression of algorithms that would otherwise crush this fledgling podcast into unknown oblivion. So yeah, please leave a rating and even better, an actual review. 
just a few words expressing what you dig about the podcast honestly would mean the world to me and would really help provide the motivation to keep this baby growing. Also, I'd love to hear from you at any time. Comments, questions, or if you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, send an email to podcast at introversion.com. You can also connect with me on social media. I am Jay Caslow. That's J-A-Y-K-A-S-L-O on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, pretty much wherever. I really want the Introversion Podcast to be something special. Raw, informative, entertaining, experimental. Inconceivable. Enlightening, therapeutic for you and me. Let's keep the conversations going about a range of topics that affect us all. Let's rise above all the hate and sickness and sadness and strife that plague this world. Let's seek to better understand each other and ultimately live our best lives. Seriously, let's do this thing. Thank you. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you. Goodbye.